0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm joined by InsideTexas.com publisher, Eric Nolene. We've got uh, a lot of news to cover from over the weekend. Uh, Eric, uh, starting with the injuries, you and I both talked about it yesterday via text and in a phone call. It was a gut punch for the Longhorns.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no sugarcoating that, uh, you know, everybody can say next man up or whatever they want. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was tough getting those text messages, you know, almost in succession. Oh, Rashawn leaves and he's in a lot of pain. And then, you know, Angelao and we're like, man, what's going on here? And, and then Isaiah Nair, which was yeah, uh, really hard to believe. But, you know, that's uh, – you know, they had a lot of injury luck last year. Uh, and, and, you know, football is a reversion to the mean sport. And uh, they reverted to the mean in a very uh, aggressive way.
0: All right. Uh, just so people know, we, we think that uh, I was told yesterday that Isaiah Naor is out for the season. Uh, Eric, I think, and others uh, have been have talked about the Junior Angeliot. Looks like he's out uh, for a long period of time with a pretty bad uh, ACL. Uh, Roshan Johnson, uh, you know, it's a it's a sprain. We believe uh, it could be four to six weeks. We just don't know the exact time. It depends on how he heals. Uh, Eric, let's just start with Naor because I think that fundamentally that may change the offense more than the loss of junior anglau because he's that big outside tall receiver what do you think texas does in response to that what does steve sarkisian do yeah
1: on the chalkboard that's going to be the biggest loss for sure he was kind of uh, one of the guys that really made that that 12 personnel which is uh, sark's preference he really made it go you know Uh, he's not just a chain mover he can go over the top and really a do-it-all wide receiver so it's going to be interesting to see what they go, where they go. We'll find out more after practice, and maybe Sark will, uh, will give us some candor uh, after uh, for his media availability. But I think they're going to have to try to fill that. If they want to stay in 12 personnel, they're probably going to have to fill it through a number of different guys. Um, you know, Casey Kane will be the first guy up. Um, he, he kind of fits some of the bigger play uh, or bigger receiver attributes that they're losing with Nair. He's got good size, big catch radius. Uh, you know, he had a 40-yarder um, on Saturday, and, and, you know, encouragingly that was against Ryan Watts, so that wasn't against the 3rd team. Or Now, I don't know if it's encouragingly because, you know, obviously zero-sum, but uh, maybe that doesn't say great things about Watts. But, um, you know, he's going to be able to come in and play. There's no doubt that that he's you know, belongs on the field. He's not going to give them the big play threat that they had when there. Um, I think they might have to try to, to get that with some other players. Maybe uh, Tariq Milton gets a look there. Uh, Jordan Whittington will probably get a look there. We know Jordan can play it, but – you know, whoever beats man press uh, better between Milton and, and Whittington might see there might find themselves there a lot. Obviously, when they're in the slot, they don't see the, the same sort of press coverage they will in the boundary.
0: Eric, you reported in an exclusive article on Inside Texas today and the scoop uh, about Casey Kane and, and what they might do there. Uh, you know, the variety of things that they might do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. the, the variety of things they might do is just kind of depends on how it all plays out. I talked about possibly, like you mentioned, using more 12 personnel now. Uh, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. The key will be, you know, who steps up, whether it's Casey Kane, Troy O'Meara. they move around people. Yeah. It, it's a it's a big deal. Uh talk about offense now. Let's the offensive line, excuse me, and Junior Anglau and what you think that injury means uh to the horns heading into the year.
1: Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one too. You know, he'd been running second team center, but that was more of a glimpse of what you know. Uh, I think Flood was looking to do and get, get bigger across the offensive line. One way to do that is put Angelo at center, and I think there's a good chance he was going to play there. Maybe not start. We don't know that for sure, but we know he was going to play center a lot this season. Uh, they were doing all kinds of things in preparation of that. You know, Hayden Connor was making calls on his behalf because uh, <laughs> Angelo's a pretty aggressive player, and I don't think he's uh, always. Uh, you know, as good as Jake Majors when it came to the call. So they had Hay- Hayden Connors much more calm, uh, was doing that for him. So th- it, it was clear that they were making uh, plans to, to play him there quite a bit. Um, and now, you know, luckily that, you know, luckily they have Majors there to lean back on uh, and, and they like, they like Cole Hudson at guard. So it, it definitely hurts depth overall. Um, it will allow, if you're looking for silver linings, it will allow the younger guys to get more reps. Uh, Maybe they look at Cole Hudson there uh, at center behind Angela, uh, behind uh, Majors uh, in the hopes of getting Devon Campbell out on the field. Uh, But that's probably something that's going to happen later on in the season.
0: Yeah. Devon Campbell, by the way, is left-handed, right? And so you can't really try him at center. That
1: He's not going to play center.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little nugget that people may not know about. Well, why don't you just try Campbell at center? He's athletic, smart, et cetera. Um, uh, Just so people know, Two segments today on this live show. The first is with Eric uh, here, and we're talking about the the team and practice and what's going on there. Second will be Jerry Hamilton. Jerry's going to be joining us at uh, about half past the hour. We're going to be talking uh, about the impending Jordan Matthews decision and, and what that means for the Longhorns. Uh, Matthews makes his announcement today at 2 p.m. Uh, Eric, uh, quick synopsis and read on your thoughts on the quarterback situation over the weekend.
1: Well, I think it was. Uh, I think I think Sark was signaling to the world that he was hoping to have a, a starter named after the first scrimmage, and obviously that's where we're at right now. But uh, you know, based on what we're hearing from the the player on the field, that you know it'd be it would be tough for him to make that phone call. Uh, neither quarterback has truly stood out. Uh, I think Card has better command of the offense. He he probably he probably moves the chains a little better. Of course, yours has a uh, you know he's he's more of a bigger play. Uh, Threat, But, you know, they, they lost Nair, so that, they might have to look to, to string together longer drives than they had anticipated beforehand. Uh, so maybe that benefits Card a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, I do know, based on the, the play on the field, that it'd be premature if he made an announcement. Uh, but it's well within his right as the head coach to go with a gut feeling uh, if he feels like one guy has a better opportunity and he wants to give him more reps ahead of the opener.
0: Um, Joe Cook, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, speaks to the media today at 5 p.m. Uh, Joe Cook uh, of Inside Texas will be there. Uh, reporting on that uh, on InsideTexas.com. Uh, Eric, uh, fair to say the defense was ahead of the offense for most of the scrimmage on Saturday? Oh,
1: yeah, definitely. They, they definitely won. I mean, that's 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 a common theme of, of fall practice pretty much for every program. Uh, you know, the defense kind of learns what the offense is going to do. Uh, they can telegraph it in advance. Uh, you know, defense doesn't require nearly as much timing and choreography as, as the offense does. So there's always that. They're always ahead. They were ahead last year, and, and we knew that, that turned out. Uh, where the offense was much better than the defense, at least for uh, for much of the season. But I think there is there are encouraging signs on defense. Uh the man coverage is working out pretty well. Uh they covered the receivers well and then and the defensive front got after the the offensive line. Uh you know they're getting penetration. Byron Murphy, uh uh Tavandre Sweat, uh Vernon Broughton up the middle were uh are getting some things done. So you know there's hope. And, and the linebackers play better too. That's gonna happen when the, when you get pressure up front and good coverage in the back. So there there's you know you're trying to figure out how they how they they pick up the loss of Nair. You know, part of that could be if the defense is improved, that's going to make up for that that plus minus that they're losing with uh, with Nair.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing that catches me uh, that I always think about, Eric, is uh, what are the Longhorns um, really trying to do this year on defense? We've we've talked about it all off season. Uh, it sounds like Overshone had a sack in the game or in the scrimmage uh, moving outside, uh, or was it from the, no, that, was, uh,
1: that was through, uh, either the air air a- B gap. Um, yeah, that was, that was not coming off the edge.
0: Okay. But he, he is moving outside more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, we've also seen Diamante Tucker Dorsey, uh, look better in that regard as well. And, and, and provide some real depth that allows overshone to do something a little different alongside Jalen Ford at the linebacker spot. Um, a name that came up for me yesterday, and this goes back to the Naor situation, uh, as having a very good scrimmage was Jatavian Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT Sanders apparently had a really good scrimmage. Uh, you know, does, can he mitigate some of the loss, you think, uh, potentially on Naor? Is that just a different type of thing? And, and it changes, like you called it, I guess, the chalkboard, what Sarkeesian tries to do overall.
1: Well, I mean, the good thing about that 12 personnel is all of the, uh, all the skill players are, are receiving threat. Obviously Jatavian Sanders is known for his hands coming out of high school. He's got some of the best hands on the team. He had three catches, at least in the scrimmage, maybe he had more, but I, I heard of three to the outside, one, one across the middle. Um, yeah, him and him and Billingsley are, you know, they're more receiver first than they are tied in first or, or blocker first. So, you know, everybody's going to be able to help out and, and pull their own weight. Um, but I think that Nair was a bit of a multiplier for that offense in a similar fashion that that uh, Xavier Worthy is. And so, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to replace it, but, you, you know, hopefully that you can divide the labor across the board uh, and everybody can do a little bit more to, to help and do what they can to make up for the loss.
0: Asking for one of the posters here on the board, uh, do you think Nair's – and, and I, forgive me for asking before I even do it. Do you think Naor's injury – changes a Jay's hall status long term i mean it's i think that's a i you and i know that that doesn't sound right coming out yeah but it's kind of a it's kind of a thought now
1: well i mean you, you know you have to be practical about it uh maybe maybe he does get a little bit longer leash uh than he would have otherwise uh i i mean i think that's just human nature you know sark's over there scratching and clawing he can't imagine his bad luck here i'm sure uh and you know he's his number one job is self-preservation. I got to get get some wins on the board, and, and if Jai Hall helps make up for that loss on there, uh, maybe they do turn a blind eye to some of that stuff. Um, you know, that that's that's the whole problem with with program building and, and how it takes time. You know, you need to get eighty five guys that are bought in so that you don't have to. Nobody has leverage over you right now. Uh, Sark doesn't have leverage like he would in in another year. Or so when that next wide receiver class is in the in the in the program,
0: before I let you go, you hearing anything on Jaleel Billingsley?
1: Uh, not a lot. Um, you know, I think, uh, Juan Davis might play a little earlier in the season than people realize. Um, so yeah, you know, I haven't heard a whole lot about watch out for Juan Davis. I think you're going to see him quite a bit in that first game.
0: All right. Interesting. Uh, Eric Naline, thank you for joining us. We're going to bring in, uh, Eric Naline, publisher of Inside Texas published the scoop this morning. Uh, you know, if y'all don't uh, subscribe to InsideTexas.com, I think you're really Really missing out on the best coverage of Longhorn Athletics. Hey, hey, Bobby, the-
1: Bobby, 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 make sure you tell everybody about the happy hour tomorrow at Posse East.
0: Got it. Tomorrow, uh, if you're, uh, by the way, this is a good thing. Uh, Eric is uh, reminding me of that. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Texas has a fan appreciation day, a uh, practice at 7 p.m. Eric, myself, Jerry Hamilton, Joe Cook, uh, are. Is, I don't, I'm not sure if Justin's going to make it or not, um, but we're going to be at the Posse East uh, over uh, off of a, uh, Uh, the uh, north side of campus there. Uh, And we're going to be there from about four or five on to just prior to uh, the, the fan appreciation scrimmage. I don't know if it's a scrimmage or just a regular practice that starts at seven o'clock. So please come out and join us uh, there uh, inside Texas.com. People doing that uh, and uh, hope you guys can join us. All right, Eric, thanks a bunch, man. I'm going to bring in Jerry. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Matthews. Thanks, Eric. Uh, Jordan Matthews, the uh, defensive back out of Baton Rouge, Woodlawn, ex- expected to announce his decision today at uh, at uh, two o'clock. Uh, Jerry Hamilton uh, of Inside Texas and On Three uh, has put in a few uh, has put in a RPM pick for uh, Matthews to Texas, as has has have other members of uh, the Inside Texas staff. He it's coming down to uh, Texas, Tennessee, and Michigan. Jerry, uh, this would be commit twenty three for the Longhorns. Uh, what are you hearing the very latest on jordan matthews
2: yeah i haven't heard anything uh different here in the last 24 hours or so i mean it still seems to be uh trending favorably to texas leading into the announcement can something crazy happen here uh early this morning or headed into the next you know three hours before the kid announces right around two sure uh but it seems like it's all trending favorably to texas and continues to you know it's interesting The interesting thing about jordan matthews recruitment is Beginning June, it was more at Texas and Alabama after they offered on June eighth, I believe, is when they offered. Um, but then, you know, that Tennessee official visit I, I think had a made an impact. And, and Texas probably knew they had more competition. Then, as Alabama's defensive back class filled up quickly and with big time guys, obviously, um, then I think the shift with the Matthews look was more Texas. Versus Tennessee, Michigan still in it. You know, they made the official to Stanford, but they didn't really make the final three. Um, LSU offered that didn't seem to make a dent in it at all. Um, So it looks like it's Texas uh, leading Tennessee and Michigan, uh, kind of what we've been reporting in Inside Texas or on three nationally. Nothing seems to have changed. And again, could it change in the next two and a half hours? Yeah, it could. It's recruiting. But right now, I, I think the RPM picks stick.
0: Uh, Sam Spiegelman uh, for On3 is in Baton Rouge today. Uh, He will have uh, exclusive coverage for us at Inside Texas uh, as well. Uh, Jerry, it's not just Jordan Matthews that Texas is doing damage in the state of uh, uh, Louisiana right now.
2: No, absolutely not. Uh, You know, the number one and number two prospects in the state of Louisiana, the On3 consensus ranking, are committed to Texas. And that's Arch Manning, number one in the On3 consensus and Derek Williams, safety out of uh, New Iberia Westgate, who's number twenty-five in the on uh, overall in the on-three consensus. Both five-star on-three consensus five-star guys. I happened to see them both on the same day last week, Thursday, um, and I can tell you that um, the rankings are legit for those guys. I mean, Derek Williams is a very impressive guy. Um, his upside is really through the roof. A uh, kid that he's not even close to developing physically. Uh, he has got a lot uh a lot of meat left on the bone so to speak i mean he is gonna yeah his parents are big people too dad's six five six six mom is six foot maybe even six one uh so there's some thought in in, in the westgate program he could end up being a 6'3" six, two, six, 220 pound kid long term he doesn't turn 18 uh until january so he's not a kid who's a finished product at all uh but boy will he strike at 180 185 pounds i've mentioned it before i mentioned it last week they played uh late Charles Pratt and against Trevante citizen uh, last year and Trevante citizens turning heads at Miami. I think he's a future NFL running back. Derek Williams knocked him out of the game in the first quarter. I mean, so Derek Williams at 175 pounds last year was striking people. Uh, so again, we've mentioned that this Texas staff is built for success in Louisiana um, with Terry Joseph, Bo Davis, Brandon Harris on the recruiting staff. There's some others as well. So there has been some others as well in that staff. So uh, it's a, it's a staff that should have success in Louisiana. But, again, it's also a lot of this is timing. Um, you know, Arch Manning obviously is a huge timing piece, but also the coaching change in, in, at LSU. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly, he hasn't coached the game at LSU yet. So, uh, and their class has gained a little steam, but Texas is doing quite well. I, that's one of my big takeaways last week at, in the visit to uh, New Iberia Westgate High School and Derek Williams is that, the Westgate staff as a whole said how great of a job Terry Joseph, Sarkisian, and the rest of the guys were doing recruiting Derrick Williams uh, because he's not a prospect uh, schools give up on. LSU's been trying. Miami's trying. AM's trying. a A&M and will make another run. You know that'll be coming with Kylan Jackson committing to LSU over the weekend, the other safety out of Zachary. So that'll just push that envelope more. So, um, you know, LSU has a lot of defensive backs committed now. That probably helps Texas as well. Uh, but again, the Texas staff's doing a really good job.
0: Um, hey Jerry, I wanted to say this real quick. Uh, you mentioned uh, Terry Joseph getting early in on uh, on Derek Williams. He identified Jordan Matthews extremely early too. Uh, you know, we know that that Joseph is from New Orleans and Southern Louisiana. He really identified those two guys early and just went after it. Um, I think that that is a, a big-time question or a big-time thing. Hey, um, Real quick, Jay, the activist, is Williams a Kyle Hamil- Hamilton or a, a Hamilton type of product uh, referencing the safety out of Notre Dame that went in the top five in the draft?
2: Yeah, you know, it's hard for me to go there yet, um, but I, I do think Derek Williams is, looks has the look of a future NFL draft pick if he does things the right way and maximizes his talent. I think they're a little different of a player. Um, but but it's it's a good question, but yeah, I, I don't know if if we're making player comparisons, if that's who I would say it is, but I, I will say this about Derrick Williams I think he's a different level safety prospect than Texas has recruited in, in a few years.
0: Um, going back to Arch Manning, uh, you said you went and saw not only Williams, but also Arch Manning. Um, what was it? I, and I, I felt like we we fought we covered this last week, right? But yeah, um I felt like you came away from that. There's been a lot of discussion this offseason, right? Oh, is he really the number one player in the country? Is his last name just Manning, right? Right. And I felt like you're the first person that went and saw him this fall, see how he has progressed year over year, you know, and your takeaway from that was really impressive to me. Share with folks here that have heard all those rumors and all that kind of, I don't know, negative talk even about denigrating a guy that just because he didn't go to a camp really right um what are your thoughts
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready
3: to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and
3: data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, FDIC. Yeah, and a member FDSE.
2: Yeah, and I think one, it's, it's kind of funny to me that, you know, oh, well, Arch didn't do Elite 11 or Arch didn't work out at the Manning Passing Academy. So, you know, look, we do live in a day and age where the biggest name the most popular name is going to get torn down to a certain extent right i mean that's just that's just where we're at right i mean there's how do you argue that you can't argue that if you pay attention to anything um but here's my takeaway with arch the first thing i was looking for before i had a conversation with the new quarterback coach offensive coordinator coach Kilgore, who i think is tremendous at, with quarterback instruction and he played in the cfl he's got a good set of eyes he came from arkansas state um, so he's coach. He's coached guys with the QB country with David Morris at a high level. But the, my first thing I always look at when I see a kid for the first time in a few months is, okay, this kid's going to be bigger, stronger, and if if he worked out, right? It's the natural maturation process. The question is, do you retain your athleticism? And that's the one to me, the unknown in, in, in our business always is, as a guy gains gain strength. And wait, is he going to have that same foot quickness, body quickness, or active quickness, that same level of athleticism? And Arch absolutely does. That's the first thing. So he's a kid who's bigger than he was a year ago, but he's the same athlete. So he passed that test right away. And more important than what I saw, and look, I'd seen him before. I've seen him throw a football before. I've seen him in a game. I've seen him in a practice. I mean, it's, that's, that, that's not really going to change for me because I, I already think the guy's the quickest release you'll ever see. Um, I love the way he attacks practice like it's a game. I, I've seen all that before. So my conversations with Coach Stewart, the head coach, and Coach Kilgore, the new uh, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, were most important thing on, on my visit. And especially Coach Kilgore, who's been working with him before and has worked the Manning Passing Academy before, and now is more hands-on with him this year as they're building out game plans and really studying opponents and, and studying film together and – he couldn't be more impressed with arch and and, you know some people have even questioned arch's arm strength that seems laughable i think sometimes when you have such a quick release it does cause people to question arm strength um and look arch doesn't play with the level of talent a lot of other guys do so he doesn't have a lot of shots down the field necessarily uh with clean pockets he plays under a lot of duress um and so, you know, he's not playing with guys that run four or five where he can just throw the ball to spots. I mean, so he he's, he's, has a little different um, high school experience than some other guys are, but I love that he plays under duress. But Coach Kilgore just thinks the way he approaches the game. He said, first of all, he can make every throw. He said, that's not even a question. He can make every throw. He said, the way he approaches the game, the way he understands coverage at a young age, and look, I mean, none of this should be a surprise. That's why some of the overrated talk, kind of, I kind of laugh at him. Said it's almost like being a Manning is a bad thing. Well, being a Manning is a great thing if you're a quarterback. How is it a bad thing? I, hey, Jerry, I I said this with stat: Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and Archie Manning and study study film. How is that a bad thing?
0: I, Jerry, I, I quoted this stat: fifty. There've been fifty-six Super Bowls, right? Yep. 56 of them uh, they' um, of that 56 uh, essentially uh, of that 56 34 have been won by just 12 quarterbacks yep. two of those quarterbacks are named Manning so yep. if you were telling me throw all these top rated quarterbacks uh, in the in the mix and tell me which one's most likely to win a Super Bowl I'm picking Manning it's yep. it's, one, it's one he's got only 12 quarterbacks have done it and two of them are last name manning i you know right. i i think that a lot of people can get i think the term is analysis by paralysis yeah uh, or paralysis by analysis
2: Paralysis yeah. by analysis, absolutely
0: yeah i think that that's what happened a little bit here and people were searching to be different um right. i i think that i would question uh those rankings hey jerry i want to go back to isaiah nayor um uh, and the question I have for him uh, on this is, you know uh, what he looked like at, at um, Wyoming, but one of the players that could potentially replace him is a guy that Texas fans legitimately have not seen since he was in high school, and that's Troy O'Meara. And so I want you to kind of recount what Tro- Troy O'Meara and what he, how he is different potentially than a Nayor, so that people have a real understanding?
2: Yeah, Troy O'Meara, prior to knee injury, was a guy who was really ascending athletic, athletically from junior to senior year. He looked like a totally different guy on tape. He was a guy who would go to a combine and run a high 4.7 early in high school, sophomore, junior. And then, you know, he was down into the low 4.6s. Uh, but what makes him a different prospect to me Is his catch radius is otherworldly? It's simply off the charts. The kid's got nearly eleven inch hands. He's got probably an eighty-three inch wingspan at six-three and a half. I mean, it's just his catch radius is something you don't see very often. And so, coming off the knee injury, I was my thought was, okay, use him in red zone. Quarterback can throw it to a spot on a on a third and five, and he can go get it um I, I and that's kind of how i saw his role on this team when the wide receiver room was 100 percent healthy i still think you know i haven't heard anything that he's great coming out of cuts yet and that's kind of what we're going to watch for i'm sure tomorrow at practice right is we're really going to have a focused eye on him tomorrow is how is he coming in and out of breaks now and what are they doing with him within within the scheme of the offense to get him open um, or is he just going to be more of a red zone threat and a guy that can go get the football in third and five if he throw it up by the sticks on the boundary? I mean, uh, that's, I think, the question um, with Troy Omir. But as far as his catch radius, his ability to pluck a football out of the air, it doesn't get much big, better than Troy O'Meara.
0: Yeah, and, and I saw that in practice, too. It wasn't so much – he definitely doesn't have the straight line speed, right? Um, but he is – I mean, he's got he's got unbelievable hands, uh, and that is, uh, very, very, uh, impressive to and me. And Bobby, let's,
2: uh, let's, let's point out something I think is huge with the talk about with two things with the Troy, uh, with the, uh, Nayor injury is your stars have to be stars more so now than ever. I mean, look, Texas isn't a program that's trotting out 50 NFL players right now. Maybe they get there, um, but they're not like that like they were when Mac was there where you could sustain some injuries at premium positions. Uh so now Bijan Robinson is a star, he absolutely has to be a star. Xavier Worthy absolutely has to be a star. That's what happens when you lose an NFL uh, type of level talent at wide receiver. Your stars have to be stars. And I think the other thing is um and look it was it, it, I get it from an injury standpoint, a lot of people were you know were kind of down yesterday on Inside Texas. I get it, but look Yeah, I've been saying this for a while. You're going to see Kelvin Banks play, maybe start the opener, play a lot. Um, I think one of the fun things with this team is some of these stars that Texas need to be stars may end up being freshmen that you're about to get their feet wet and then end up being difference makers once you know four games through into their. Freshman year, I think there's some kids on this in this class that are that talented of players. I mean, Kelvin Banks is one. I think one of the fun things to watch with this team, Bobby, is going to be how many kids in this 2022 class not only are on the field but have meaningful snaps on the field. And I think it's it's trending the more than you know what we think. I mean, you know, when you hear Sarkeesian mention Jeray Bledsoe. He was having a good spring. Then he had the, uh, the appendicitis and had surgery. Um, You're starting to hear Jamon Tapp mentioned a little more, right, as being a guy who can come off the edge. So uh, I think Terrence Brooks will play, and he's just going to be a solid player who a guy maybe pushes for a starting role at some point his freshman year. But I think that's what, what's going to be the fun. One of the fun things is seeing these young kids really get in the mix, and I think that can be the difference in a couple of wins this year, especially on that offensive front.
0: Jerry, um, they're asking about uh, Jaleel Billingsley and if he could get a look at outside receiver to help Nair. What, Justin Yarbrough asking, what do you think?
2: No, I don't see that. I don't see that. I, I, see that. I, I think if uh, you and Eric hit on something right before I jumped in, I think Jatavion Sanders is another one. It's a big one now. Uh, stars being stars. I mean, he was a five-star ranked prospect for a reason. Uh, I had one college coach joke with me a couple of weeks ago, said, man, the best pass rusher in the program is still playing tight end. He said, he must be really good at tight end. And I think things are kind of trending that direction, right? That Jatavion Sanders can be a difference maker at the tight end position. Um, look, I mean, I, I think whatever you get out of Billingsley is a, po- uh, is a positive, but I think the upside goes to uh, Sanders there.
0: Yep. Um, you know, Jerry, I, I'm looking at it and, and thinking about uh, this. I, I want to tell people uh, that are just joining us uh, since this is a live show number one Eric Naline of the inside Tech, publisher of inside Texas was on earlier uh we talked about uh, the injuries and whatnot uh we're going to continue to talk about those as this goes on number two Jerry and I've been discussing Jordan Matthews commitment timeline he uh the defensive back cornerback out of Baton Rouge Woodlawn announces today at 2 pm uh, choosing between Tennessee Michigan and the University of Texas uh Jerry and other inside Texas analysts have uh, have uh, their picks in for Matthews to pick Texas, but you always got to wait and see and see what happens. Sam Spiegelman of on three is on site uh, today. Uh, there in Baton Rouge for, for us and going to be reporting live uh, Jerry. Uh, furthermore, after that, I want to announce that we're having you, me, Eric Naline, uh, and the guys, Joe Cook's supposed to be there as well, are going to be at the posse East tomorrow at four o'clock from about four o'clock on prior to the open practice for the Longhorns that starts at seven o'clock. This is an open invitation to anybody that wants to come on over there and hang out with us pregame. We'll be there. I would love to see you guys. Um, Jerry, I want to, and I also want to say this, Justin Wells will be joining us here in about the next 10 minutes. Uh, He's getting a story ready to post right now on, uh, on Inside Texas. Another question for you and this one, uh, Eric brought this up, kind of just threw it in there at the very last, Second, and I didn't expect it, you heard him talk about Juan Davis. Yeah. What did you think of that when you heard that? Because I saw him last year and not the perfect size for his position, not the very fastest. But when he played, he was a baller. That's, what I, that's really what I thought. And I, I literally, when he said that, he's making waves. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This is a guy that, that even despite all the things last year, he still found a way as a true freshman to get his way on the field. Sounds like he's trying to do it again.
2: Yeah, I got two things on Juan. First, um, when I was at ESPN, I was part of Under Armour All-America game. We ran the Under Armour camps, and one of those was the Prime 21, Deion Sanders camp before he got into coaching, which we ran at Arlington Martin. And Ajay Hall, there were some really talented guys at this camp. Juan Davis had the best hands there. Uh, Juan Davis had a tremendous pair of mitts. I'm not saying they're Jordan Hudson level, which are about the best I've ever seen. Um, at a setting like that, but um, look, Juan Davis has a great set of mitts. He caught everything that day, and in Nussmeyer, uh, one of the guys vying for the quarterback job at LSU, was the one throwing the football. So he was getting he he was getting passes on him in his numbers from a power five level quarterback prospect. But he had a great pair of mitts that day. I mean, sure hands. And then the a flip side to that is why I think he has a chance to be a, more of an impact player this year. Obviously, is he was a jack of all trades in high school. We talk about this all the time. So he ha- he needed time to develop at a new position. I mean, it's a totally new position to him. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy that played some quarterback, played some safety, played some linebacker, did whatever Everman needed him to do to help win games. So that guy's development curve is going to be a little bit more, especially going to a position where you got to develop physically. So it's not a surprise that you're hearing – You saw some flashes in year one that you're hearing more about him headed in the year two uh, because that's about right on the development curve. And and, and I'll tell you, I mean, he's one of those guys, Jatavion Sanders, those are guys I'm really watching um, with the Texas program, Bobby, because that is big in player development, right? When you take a guy who's a talented prospect that hasn't played the position, truly you're recruiting him to play. How you develop those players says a lot about your player development in your program moving forward.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point. Jeff Banks, you know, the tight ends coach, uh, quasi-recruiting coordinator for the Long Warrants. I mean, he's got a lot of, and special teams coordinator, he's got a lot vested in, in Jatavian Sanders maximizing his ability.
2: Well, and, and here's another one. Brennan Thompson this year falls into that category for me. Because, you know, look, we both know that Brennan playing at Spearman, he did whatever he had to to help Spearman win a football game, whether that's, Playing quarterback, whether that's playing running back, whether that's lining up outside, whether that's playing defense special teams. So, and now with the nayor injury, even though they play different positions, look, I mean, how quickly this staff can get him ready to go as a power five wide receiver? It's not easy, but Brennan's worked really hard and he's a focused kid. We've heard it since he got to Austin in June. That's another one of those player development guys. Look, it's not Adwater instant player, right? I always use that term Will Muschamp says, but I love it. It, You know, player development's huge, especially when you're recruiting so many guys and and they're adjusting to a new position. I mean, okay, Devon Campbell is one on the offensive line, DJ Campbell. He was a left tackle slash defensive tackle in high school. He's adjusting to playing guard. A lot of people think, well, how hard is that? Well, it's very hard because you're picking up a new system and you're having to pick up calls and you're having to do it when the guy lined up against you is Byron Murphy on the other side. So these player development guys are, I think, are huge to watch this season, and that's going to tell you a lot about where the program's headed.
0: Byron Murphy may only be a sophomore, but he's an adult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my feeling on that comment, right? I mean, yeah, uh, he walked in. Not many people realize that the, the sophomore at the University of Texas from DeSoto walked into the University of Texas already having enough hours to graduate Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yes. I mean, I, that's that's a big thing for for, for a, to say it about a guy that you can tell when he plays, he gives it everything he, he had. I, I wrote a, a column today at the Inside Texas, a piece about it, and I wanted to talk about that briefly. Steve Worst, uh, Wooster, uh, the running back, fullback, really first wishbone fullback ever, I think, uh, and member of the 1969 backfield at the University of Texas that won the national championship, passed away over the weekend. Uh, I texted with Ted Coy uh, to send my condolences uh, to uh, Ted. Ted was in the backfield with him uh, all those years ago at Texas before Ted became a blocking back for O.J. Simpson and the Buffalo Bills uh, in, the, in, in the 1970s. Uh, but I texted uh, Ted Coy, uh, you know, condolences over this and his his single line response to me was, he gave every play everything he ever had. I mean, dude, if if, if players today realize not just and I'm speaking, I bring this up kind of because of uh, the whole um, the whole situation with uh, Byron Murphy. Yeah, we feel like he's a talent maximizer. You know, yes. we're talking about Jatavian Sanders trying to become that way, mm-hmm. even having that. Um, if, if those guys can find that way, uh, to step up, I think it's absolutely huge for them, uh, as they go forward and and see what they can do. Um, Jerry, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Brennan Thompson, and I agree with you, uh, with him on a developmental standpoint. I want to mention one thing. Brennan is also, I'm, I'm hearing he's been returning some punts, um, as well as kickoffs. Now he is a smaller guy to be returning kickoffs. Punts is a different story. Uh, And so uh, not only is Savion Red, who we've been talking about uh, uh, returning some punts, but Brennan Brennan Thompson has been too. And Red also falls in that category you're talking about of having to learn a new position.
2: Um, Let's point this out on Brennan Thompson because it's a great point, Bobby, to bring up the return game. And this is why I think he's going to excel in the return game. He's fearless and he's tough. Anybody that runs 100 meters and 200 meters for with a bone spur on their foot for an entire year is a tough human being. They're mentally tough and they're physically tough. Um, then he comes back. He has the bone spur removed. He messes, misses his whole senior season. But what does he do? He suits up at a football game. He doesn't have to. He's committed to Texas. He doesn't, he ha- doesn't have to do this, but he does it. Those are guys that profile really well the return guys because you have to have a certain level of fearness, fearlessness. And he does that. And I can tell you after stopping at Grand Prairie last spring and talking with head coach, Tony Tademy, who was an assistant at TCU under Gary Patterson and other places for years, nobody can question Savion Red's toughness. I mean, let me just put this one out (laughs) here too. Okay. They had to dial him back. You had to (laughs) dial Savion Red back. And if, and if there was one negative you heard about Savion Red coming out of high school, it's like, wow, man, we have a hard time controlling this guy's emotions and stuff. You have to dial him back. And that, again, that's part of player development too, Bobby. And recruiting is, is let's say 12 wide receivers are sitting in a room. One, they all don't learn the same, right? Audio versus visual learners. Then there's the way you communicate with those guys, your point to get across. Then there's reading that guy. Um, Does he is is he a guy that you have to help him control his emotions, the highs and the lows and kind of teach him how to keep things more even keel? Because that is important with young guys. So I think all this stuff in player development is a great conversation for another day after we see some of these kids play. But Savion Red, Brennan Thompson, they both have that fearlessness about him.
0: Hey, I got to say this. This this is a kind of funny to me. Um, uh, The idea that you have to dial somebody back down <laughs> for the Texas football team, I think is music to the ears of fans. Yeah. Right. Because that's what they've wanted. They've wanted them dialed up to 11, yeah. right? The whole spinal tap joke. Uh, <laughs> you want them dialed up uh, to a level beyond uh, where they're at. You well, know? Bobby,
2: you are talking about, we we're talking about Steve Wooster, what Ted Coy said. I mean, I always go back and whether it's wrong or right, whenever I look at a defensive tackle from an evaluation standpoint, I always think how hard Casey Hampton played, snap in, snap out. From the first time you saw him as a sophomore in high school, when he was a 280-pound in their fullback, to when he was 335 pounds in the NFL after two ACLs, the guy never took a snap off.
0: Or, never- or or 330-plus, Right. dead in the fourth quarter against Nebraska. Yep. There he is, holding the middle of the field like – I do. I get it. I, I think those guys, that's why Roshon Johnson, Jerry, I know. I think is such a big, a big loss because, and he's not, look, he's not out for the year. We don't think. Um, But he was the guy that stood up last year and said enough of this crap. Right. Right? And, and not necessarily, you know, he wasn't, he's not the number one um, number one back or anything like that, but he was in the final game and he put him on his back and he was he was very physical established the physicality of the longhorns and to see him go down along with junior Angelao and along with isaiah nayor over the weekend i i described it as a gut punch with eric and i think that's how we all felt yeah and let me tell
2: you this about Rashawn: you think you knew him as a leader before watch him now he The injury's not going to keep him from leading. It's going to keep him from leading in the huddle on the 25-yard line on third and two when he needs to gain three yards, right? But just watch. It'll be fun for Texas fans to watch at the games. That leadership won't go away, and leadership won't change. He'll just be doing it with a boot on for a while. But he will continue. It's his M.O. We had him in the Under Armour game. I went to see him at Port Natchez Groves in high school. Nothing will change with that kid because that's who he is.
0: Yep. Um, Jerry, uh, Longhorns in recruiting right now. Uh, Again, announcement of Jordan Matthews at 2 p.m. today. Uh, We talked a little bit about or or quite a bit about uh, Texas uh, in the state of Louisiana uh, with the additions. This will make, if he commits into Texas like we're expecting, this will be four commitments for the Longhorns in Louisiana. I think that's the most they've had. Uh, since I've been doing this in a single year. Okay. So that's 30 years. Now take me to Florida. Yes. Where you were last week, they've already got two commitments from the Orlando area in uh, Peyton Kirkland, the big offensive lineman and Cedric Baxter, the nation's number one running back. You know, as Texas looks to recruit national, all three of their commitments in the month of August or all two of the, two of the commitments in the month of August thus far have been from out of state jordan matthews would make that three today what does that what does that mean for texas recruiting
2: yeah i think I'll, I'll to take that point further uh if matthews goes to texas that's four kids in this class jamon Tapp in the last class right that's five from louisiana you had aaron bryant from mississippi in the 2022 class you had justice finkel in the 2022 class from alabama you have two guys peyton kirkland and Cedric baxter committed from Florida. So you've got nine guys in two classes from SEC states. Now Georgia, Texas is trying, with Tashard short choice. They're trying to break into that state a little bit. I think that's even the most difficult state because Georgia just won a national championship and Alabama values that state so much in Florida and Clemson, right? That is maybe the toughest state to recruit in in the SEC region right now. But my point is three years ago, two, three years ago, these kids aren't going to Texas. And maybe Arch Manning's different because Steve Sarkeesian is the Manning family's modern-day Cutcliffe, so to speak. But still, these kids are not looking at Texas the same way as they are today and in the last class. When it was announced that Texas is going to the SEC, that totally changed the recruiting geography for the University of Texas football program moving forward and you're going to see more guys from the state of Florida. They're, they're in on – they're working on Damon Wilson, the 5 star, on three, five-star edge, and uh, he may visit on September 10th. He'll make it in at some point this fall. Jordan Hall, the big-time four-star D tackle out of Jacksonville Westside. He'll probably come in for an official visit this season at some point. The 2024, maybe top two or three running back in the country, Jarrett Gibson, who's at IMG. He's from Gainesville, Georgia, but he's also sp- uh, spent some time in Florida as well. That's a kid that Tashar Choice has a long-term relationship with. You're going to see Texas recruit. They're going to recruit Louisiana Hart, but you're going to see Florida become a priority now with success. I mean, Cedric Baxter, Peyton Kirkland, that's two big wins in the Orlando area. Those are a powerhouse player. Baxter, number one running back in the country. And Kirkland's from Dr. Phillips, one of the most talented high schools in the Central Florida area. And with Tashard Choice showing some real recruiting chops now, I mean, that's one of the things in this cycle is, it, it to me, that is, is shows what Texas can do nationally or in the Southeast region in recruiting with the kids excited about Texas going to the SEC. The shard Choice has proven to be an A, 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 A-plus recruiter. You don't go get Cedric Baxter out of Orlando. I don't care if you had a relationship with him. You just beat out Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Miami with Cristobal for the number one running back in the country. You have some real, true relationship-developing ability and recruiting chops when
0: you do that. Justin Wells is going to be joining us, Justin of InsightTexas.com. uh will be joining us here momentarily. Uh, Jerry, I want to ask you a question I haven't asked you yet, and this is going to be one of those that it's going to take you some time to think about it. Arch Manning committed to Texas this year. What's Texas's next move at the at quarterback? Do they even go for someone in twenty four? Uh, obviously, some of the big name guys are probably going to be off the board because they're not going to want to, uh, you know, wait behind Manning. Uh, what what are you hearing as far as what Texas's next move at quarterback might be?
2: Well, obviously, they like the kids saying S A Y I N out of California. We'll see now. I mean, like you said, there's a lot. That's a different hurdle to get over now in recruiting, even for Steve Sarkisian and Milway. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a great evaluation class at quarterback for Texas. If you, if you strike out on your number one target, like a saying, then it it's an opportunity for you to go find, and I'm not going to say it's a first round pick your next Mac Jones. Who's that guy you can find that you can really develop and take time to develop and the kid needs time physically and he needs developmental time heck maybe that was in the last class it's malik murphy maybe you're trying to find that again because look i mean malik murphy when texas took him he was a developmental prospect bobby you saw him last week and you say he's already tightened his arm motion and to me that was the biggest thing with him he had a long arm motion and for a six five guy who's not a plus athlete to have a long arm motion is a scary thing but if you're already saying he's they've tightened his release i think And they're making some serious strides with Malik Murphy that I think that tells you maybe where they head in 2024. If you can't get that number one guy on the board who is Arch Manning signed with you, then it's a great opportunity to show your evaluation and developmental chops at that position.
0: All right, Jerry Hamilton. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate your time. I'm going to go over the injuries real quick and then hopefully uh, Justin Wells will join us uh, momentarily. Jerry, thanks for your time again. For Jerry's work, check out InsideTexas.com. Thanks, Jerry. You got it, um, bud. Longhorns uh, going through a, a – suffering a spate of injuries over the weekend. Uh, to repeat, uh, those were uh, not only uh, uh, Isaiah Nayor, uh, the starting wide receiver opposite Xavier Worthy, but also Junior, Junior Angalau, three-year starter at offensive line, uh, as well as uh, someone uh, that is near and dear to the program – uh, and a second team running back really, but still the heart and soul of it. Uh, Roshon Johnson, uh, apparently out four to six weeks also injured, uh, over the week or during the week, Jade Barron, uh, defensive back out of Pflugerville and Alfred Collins, defensive end, defensive tackle out of Bastrop. Uh, both those guys in a situation right now where, uh, they are, uh, waiting to see how serious, uh, these injuries are, uh. You know, I'm looking at uh, Texas right now and I've been asked this question, where does that put the Longhorns uh, as it relates to the rest of the season? Like, does this materially affect, um, uh, does this material affect where I think they'll end up uh, end of year? Um, you know, I, I think that's a good question. You know, does it make them instead of a nine win team, an eight or seven win team or instead of an eight, a six or seven? Um, That's a good question. Um, And so I feel like those two things are are fair questions. That being said, uh, based on what Eric Nalin and I talked about this morning, uh, I do think there are some ways that Texas has to not only directly replace Isaiah Nayor on the field, because I don't think there is a talent like Nayor uh, at receiver other than than, uh, uh, Xavier Worthy. But what they can do is change the alignments uh, and include guys like Jatavian Sanders, get him on the field more uh, and some other guys uh, on the field more as well. So I feel like Nayor is a touchdown maker. And so anytime you take a touchdown maker off the field, you have a chance to lose football games. I really believe that and always have. And I think he is a touchdown maker. I think a 40 something catches last year I had 14 touchdowns. Um, and so I feel like that's a difficult, difficult loss. The loss of Junior Engelau, um is uh, <laughs> is a, a little bit different uh, in that I feel like he is a three year starter. Uh, but Texas has a little bit more depth on the offensive line at that level. And Anglau was not as much of a standout potentially as Nayor. Anglau um, was a solid player but nobody thought he was going to be an all-conference player this year. Um, and so I feel like that's that's going to be one of those things uh, that we have to watch and, and uh, be aware of uh, as the year goes forward. As far as – and I, I I saw Barry Sorrell uh, step in. I'm, I'm thinking that may be Baron Sorrell's dad joining the chat. Uh, I want to wish him and his son a good luck as he's fighting uh, for the uh, – uh, defensive end role at the starting defensive end role at the university of Texas this year. Um, as far as the loss of the uh, Desha- of Rashawn Johnson, uh, that one, you know, I don't think it's going to affect the win loss record uh, because ostensibly he would only be out for both the Texas or for the uh, Alabama, uh, and, uh, Alabama and Alabama uh, and Louisiana Monroe game, possibly also missing uh, the UTSA game. I don't think he's going to be a guy uh, that uh, really determines the wins or loss in those games. Although, obviously, uh, his presence would absolutely help, help, help. Uh, but uh, I just don't see it happening. Uh, Justin Justin Wells has just texted me. He's having a problem getting into the chat right now. Uh, we're going to wait on him for a couple more minutes. Uh, I also want to talk about what the offensive line situation does with the loss of Anglau. Um, Angela had been working uh, as uh, a uh, center for most of camp instead of guard. They already knew what he could do at guard. So there was some thought that they were not only repping him at center to get backup snaps, but possibly they were going to move him into a starting role at center because a lot of the, the the people that Texas is competing with against this year are going to have those big interior nose tackles Baylor, Um, OSU Oklahoma State and Oklahoma all have and those are those are the three probably top programs right now that Texas is going to compete with in the Big 12. They all have those big oversized uh, defensive defensive tackles. And so Texas to mitigate that I think was looking at Anglau over majors at some point uh, for this. And so it'll be interesting to see where that offensive line shapes out. But as of right now, it sounds like Kevin, Kelvin Banks, uh, this did not get as reported as it should have been uh, because of all of the injuries. But it looks like Kelvin Banks is on the cusp, if not already having taken over for Andre Carrick at the offensive tackle on the left side. He finished the scrimmage with the ones on Saturday afternoon. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, at left guard is Hayden Connor, a uh, young man out of the Katy area. He is, uh, of course, uh, a guy that Texas was hoping would start this year. They just didn't know at what position. It looks like it's going to be left guard. Uh, Jake Major's now uh, definitely not only the co- incumbent at center, but I have a hard time believing anybody's going to beat him out. Another true freshman, Cole Hudson, uh, looking like he's going to be the, at least starting for now at offensive guard uh, for, uh, the, uh, for the uh, uh, Longhorns. And on the right side, uh, with, uh, right tackle Christian Jones is still holding off. It sounds like he's holding off, uh, uh, Cam Williams, the big tackle from, uh, Duncanville. That's a true freshman that, uh, has made some funny memes, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, as it relates to just how big the young man is. Um, also, uh, at, uh, at running back, uh, we continue to hear Jonathan Brooks had a good scrimmage on Saturday. Brooks out of Hallettsville is a true sophomore. Saw made pretty good work of his time uh, last year before being injured in the season. Uh, He had a good scrimmage uh, alongside Bijan Robinson. Bijan, as Justin Wells said yesterday, put him in bubble wrap. (laughs) I think that uh, that's one of those things. And then Keelan Robinson in the backfield as well. I'm going to welcome in now Justin Wells. Uh, Justin, uh, thanks for joining us, Bud. I uh, hope you're ready to talk a little Longhorn football. We were just talking about practice um, and all of the injuries. Uh, what are you hearing the latest right now uh, out of out of the the Longhorn camp
3: as it relates relates to those injuries? I'm hearing that um, this depth that Dallas, that Texas has kind of tried to build over the last season or two is going to be needed. Uh, you know, along the offensive line with Junior Angolau out, it looks like Jake. You know, that experiment with Junior. Uh, probably at center was short-lived and it looks like Jake majors is going to be the guy that's going to hold that down. Now um, you got guys like Logan Parr, who is, you know, unconditionally his backup right now, but Cole Hudson took center snaps this summer. Connor Robertson took center snaps this, this summer. It's going to be interesting because I could see a scenario where Cole Hudson might be the backup center. And they would move possibly Hayden Connor, you know, keep him at at left guard and possibly bring up a Devon Campbell at right guard. So it's going to be interesting to see how Flood mixes and matches these offensive linemen because losing junior, that's a three-year starter at 6'6", 330 pounds. But I think majors will slide back in and and do what he continued to do. And, you know, you get experience with that guy and, you know, you get uh, acumen because he's got a high football IQ. Running back, it's deep, Bobby. It's deep. You, I hate saying you can lose a Rashawn Johnson, but it's not going to hurt that room that much. Bijan's still going to B-John. and now Jonathan Brooks is going to get probably more of an increased role, which is actually he's been building up to. Oh, you know, throughout the spring, Keelan Robinson is just explosive and dynamic, and you find a package of place for that guy, and he's going to he's going to make plays. And then Jaden Blue, he's had a solid spring after enrolling early. He's had a good early camp. This is a guy that catches the ball uh, effortlessly out of the backfield, and, and, and he's getting a little bit better each time since he's been in Austin. And so at running back, I think the room is, is, is not in dire straits. You go to wide receiver, brother, there's depth there, but Isaiah Naor is not a guy you just replace. That one stings the most. The upside, the ability to really maximize this offense and Sark's system to get vertical. You need a guy on the outside that's just like what he brings. Now you're going to have to see a push from Casey Kane and Troy Amiri to see if he's going to be able to, to, to get back a little bit sooner. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tariq Milton gets moved over to the X spot. You know, early on, he was... You know, he was doing a little bit of every place. You know, recently it's been slot or backup for exa- uh, for, for for Worthy at the Z, but now you're going to have to be creative. And that's what Brenda Marion was hired for to bring in. So,
0: hey, I, I, Justin, I think you bring up a great point there. Um, you know, where does Texas go next? I talked, we talked with Eric Nalin about that a little bit, uh, and we think that, you know, it could be a variety of answers whether Char- Sark gets on the chalkboard. And starts running more twelve personnel or some other version of it. Um, sure. Speaking with with uh, Eric earlier, Justin, and get your take on this. Um, we talked about the quarterbacks right now uh, and the fact that they had not great scrimmages on Saturday. Um, you know, question from a user that I think is is vow- is legitimate. Will the tight will the QBs tighten up? a little bit, become a little bit more uh, just better, I guess,
3: as the season approaches. Absolutely. They're going to tighten up a little bit. You know, what's funny is we we talked about this, I think, yesterday or day before, Bobby, where I can remember each first scrimmage in fall following a similar template, not so much with the, the rash of injuries, but poor quarterback play. Because what essentially happens is, They've been going at each other really hard for the last 2 weeks and these DBs pick up tendencies. That's what they're taught to do. That's what they're supposed to do. They pick up tendencies on these on these receivers too so they know how to bite a little bit early if one of if they feel like one of them's turning into a route. And so it usually correlates with the second scrimmage being a better show from the quarterbacks. And I and, and you know we're we're always thinking ahead. We're always thinking. All right, what's going to be the next scrimmage like? What what are things that they're going to need to improve on? What are things are they going to build on? Now it's all those and oh Lord, are we going to see an uptick in quarterback play? Are we going to see them take that next step? Because in the in, in the past the quarterbacks have always looked better in the second scrimmage, and I think especially with an offensive minded guy like Sark. You know, when your quarterbacks get get eaten up like he did and he has to tear into them like he did, I wouldn't be surprised if he threw some different things at the defense in this second scrimmage because you need confidence on this offensive side. And if that means throwing out some plays that that defense may not be accustomed to, if that means changing up the rotation a little bit or getting different guys involved with different quarterbacks who they're comfortable with, you do whatever you can. Sark needs to get the ball down the field chunk by chunk He's got to figure out the right guy to do it. He's got two guys to pick from. Either one can get it done. This next scrimmage on Saturday, Bobby, could be the biggest tell of the season of what that quarterback landscape is going to look like.
0: Um, hey, Justin, uh, you have uh, you not only cover the team uh, for InsideTexas.com, you're also heavily involved and in Get On The Road uh, for recruiting. Texas has uh, a guy that they're hoping to get a commitment from today at 2 o'clock, Jordan Matthews out of Baton Rouge, Woodlawn. I know you went down there and saw him uh, this past uh, offseason. What did you think? And uh, what do you think about the Longhorns' chances there?
3: You know, with Jordan Matthews, he's one that I feel like inside Texas has been bullish on since the spring. Um, I remember him starting to come to campus. It was about 18 months ago when he started taking unofficials from Baton Rouge. And he's been to Texas six times, Bobby, on his own dime. And to me, that's a tell, (laughs) especially when he keeps coming back. If you talk to his mother and her father and his father, you know, big, big fans of Terry Joseph, big fans of the staff. They love what Texas is doing. I love that Jordan Matthews is kind of going off the reservation. You know, his dad played football at LSU. His brother is a, is a college, I believe receiver or DB at Southern. And instead of staying in state, like most, in state kids do in Louisiana. It's hard to pull from that from that area in that region. He he wants to leave. He he thinks he's found he he's possibly found a home in Austin. And and that's that's big for a kid that's you know he he fits that prototypical size that Sark had been talking about in previous press conferences. 6'1 about 180, 185. There's some there was some question about his speed. I think that was eliminated at the state track meet last year when I believe he ran a 10-6, 10-700, something in that range. It, it, it really eliminated that. He's gotten bigger. He's filled out some more. And so I'm eager to watch his senior year. I, I'm really eager to see what he does as the total package because Texas put themselves – this is a recruitment that you can say Texas recruited the hardest. This is a recruitment you can say Texas put in the most effort and the most resource. They identified this dude a long time ago. Terry Joseph's had this guy on his on his wish list for two years now. And the fact Jerry that, and, Jerry, that he coming back is huge.
0: Yeah, Jerry and I were talking about that. I mean, Terry Joseph really honed in on two dudes, right, in South Louisiana. Derek, Derek Williams, Williams
3: and Jordan Matthews. He's and, halfway and, there, Bobby. Yeah, And It exactly. does hurt when Arch Manning – like, listen, Jordan Matthews was leaning Texas way before Arch Manning became a Longhorn. But you trust me, that doesn't hurt when Arch is sending him a text, hey, boot up. When Derek Williams is sending him a text, hey, boot up. When Will Randall's telling him, hey, are are you ready? We're going to be there soon. Let's jump in the boat. I mean, you're talking about four of the top prospects in the state of Louisiana signing with Texas. I wrote earlier in the scoop, I don't, I can't remember a time in following recruiting in the last 20 or 30 years where Texas has gone into the state of Louisiana, stomped their foot and drug out four of the best prospects in that state. I just can't remember when. I don't know that they've signed
0: four guys total, much less the number one and two and number eight overall prospect in, in the state. I mean, exactly. um, you know, that that's just uh, the bottom line. And, uh, you know, w- we look at it and try to, to evaluate this stuff year in and year out. And Jerry Hamilton was just on with us, Justin. And, you know, the last... If if Matthews commits today, the last three commitments for the Longhorns in the month of August will have all been from out-of-state prospects. Texas is starting to make a roll out-of-state. And it's interesting because I think that the brand carries, right? Um, Absolutely. Hey, here's a question from Williams, David, that uh, I, I think is always interesting. Uh, and I do call him Williams, David, instead of David Williams on here. Uh, so, hey you were up <laughs> That's to see my man JV. the Malik man, you, were up to see, <laughs> you were up to see um JV and Toviano uh last week he's asking about him uh what do you think about the defensive backs uh, as well as Te- toviano
3: and uh, what Texas has recruited thus far well the first thing I'm going to tell listeners is you need to get to InsideTexas.com Right now, as you're watching this and read the, the newest post from Ian Boyd and myself, we did a recruiting notebook on JV and Toviano, broke down its fit, his evaluation, and, and how it affects this Texas cycle. Uh, it's an outstanding read, if I must say so myself. Toviano's a kid. Man, he's a wild card. You know, Williams David's going to th- th- – this isn't going to be the answer that he wants because that man is direct, and, and there's no direct with JV and Toviano. It's sprinkled or, you know – Throughout the course, you got some Oregon over here. LSU's dancing around the rim. A and M staying in his ear. texas has that home feel. He says, and and is, is continue to push with help from former teammates at Martin Travell Johnson, Maurice Blackwell, Tobiano. I fully expect to take an official visit to Texas this fall. Uh, I would be sh- I'd be surprised if it's not the Texas Alabama game in in mid September. But I do. He's got four remaining, and he wants to take those four officials. And at the same time, he's telling me he wants to decide before his senior year. And like I told him last week, I looked at my watch, I said, buddy, you, you got about two weeks left. Like you, you, you're really cutting it close because honestly, Javian's been saying he wanted to make a quick decision for since about May. And so he's he, giving credit, he's being thorough. You know, his older brother went through the recruiting process, he plays at Rice. And so he kind of got a, a dose of what it was like. But Javian, there, there's no clear road here. Um, I could make a case for Toviano to Texas. There's a handful of, of commitments in the class right now that are feeling a little confident with Toviano. I don't know if that's false bravado or if that's real, you know, real intel. I also know that Jimbo and those guys haven't pushed that big sell that they push on all recruits, those top targets. They haven't they haven't unloaded the chamber yet. They, they're, they're still kind of waiting for their timing with Toviano. And that might be because of some of the way their class has been happening, especially with Bravian Rogers decommitting. And then Oregon's a school that scares me, Bobby, because usually a kid going out of state that far, it may happen two or three times a cycle. But Toviano is a very headstrong kid who likes people to know he doesn't have to stay in state. He thinks he can get the same opportunities out of state, and by him doing that, um, it really puts pressure on Texas and A&M to be honest with you, because they have to they have to sell a little bit stronger. LSU has been hanging around the rim, and that's a school I believe has three corners and two safeties already committed to its cycle. So I'm not even sure there's room. But Atobiano is the type of guy you make room, and so let's let's see where he's at over the next few weeks. Let's see let's see when he gets those official visits scheduled i believe oregon's gonna get one he said probably the third week in september i know he's gonna miss the first week and i think the second one he's gonna try to be in austin so i, I would anticipate sometime in late september uh hitting oregon michigan's a, a team that might be your sleeper i don't see him going to big 10 country but jb and toviano's a little different than other recruits he's highly intelligent, early enrollee, will get in early, will play often, will make an impact pretty soon on a college campus. And so that that, that one is one that fans just need to hang on loosely, you know, buckle up and just prepare because I'm going to go see him a lot just to ensure that our inside Texas readers get a, the best read possible on his pursuit. Uh, I've got to say, I've got to apologize to readers or to viewers here
0: Uh, We had a guy spam our uh, message board chat here. And one part of it got through uh, to the video. Our apologies uh, there. I was trying to delete it and accidentally uh, and block the user and accidentally put it up on the screen for a half second there. Uh, Obviously not my intent, uh, but uh, we have banned and blocked that user uh, going forward. Hey, Justin, a couple questions before we get going here today. Um, I want two answers. Your surprise – your pick for surprise player on the team on offense and your surprise pick for player on
3: defense this year. For, for the 22, 22 season or for fall camp? So for
0: the 22 season. This is not recruiting. We're, we're going away from recruiting. I want to go back to team because you do so much of that and covered it. You were at the very okay. first uh, open practice to the media. Uh, hmm. Your thoughts on that, and you also talked to a lot of people behind the scenes.
3: The offensive surprise and the defensive surprise – can the offensive surprise oh, that it might be, be a favor worthy? <laughs> that might be a freshman offensive lineman. Uh that that could be the big surprise. A Cole Hudson, a Kelvin Banks. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the I'm gonna go on a limb a little bit. And and after the Nayor news, my surprise is gonna be Tariq Milton. Uh at Big 12 Media Days, we were able to catch up, or Joe was, was able to catch up with Matt Campbell. And to hear Campbell speak about Milton the way he does, and then you know, being able to catch up with him, Milton, a little bit before he he had enrolled and, and became a longhorn, it's hard not to root for that guy. And then you watch his tape and he's healthy now, it's hard, it's hard to ignore him. And I, I like I said, with the Nayor situation, I think Milton may abs- that that might increase his his probability of, of making an earlier impact. And so from a from a offensive standpoint. You know, I could see a Cole Hudson. I could see a a Devon Campbell. I could see a Kelvin Banks for sure, even though I don't know how much of a surprise it's going to be when he starts bulldozing people in week three. Uh, But I'm going to go with Treat Milton on offense. Uh, On the defensive go go ahead. No, no, I I think
0: I I, I can see that. I think Cole Hudson for me, I I did not. When he signed, look, when he, and I think you and I know why. When he signed, He was not the most ballyhooed recruit in that offensive line class. All he's done is get to campus
3: early and work his butt off. And learn the system early, earn the respect of not only the staff, but you know those young guys, the respect of the teammates. When you get that respect, your confidence shoots up to another level. And listen, Cole Hudson thinks like a professional. His father was a professional baseball player. He's been raised, you treat this like a profession, like a man. And that's why Cole Hudson, you'll hear a thousand intangibles about him because that's what he brings. So that's a safe pick, Bobby. I'm with you on that. But, but give me a give me a dose of that Tariq Milton because I'm telling you, I think the dude is going to uh, – he's going to have Matt Campbell turning over in his sleep when, that, when Iowa State comes that week. Um, let's go on the defensive side. Go let's, for it. Uh, let's get crazy. Let's get on the defensive side. Jalen Gilbo is a guy I did not expect to have this sort of impact this soon, you know, coming out of high school, I thought he was a tweener, more of a, a corner nickel safety kind of, I, I thought he might've lacked top end speed there. He didn't really have a lot of quick tit, quick, quick twitch, even though he's got a a, a great body, but Jalen Gilbo, you know, yesterday, Jade a Baron was held out precautionary reasons after, after, you know, hurting his ankle on Friday, stepping on a ref's foot. um, That's a guy that Jalen Gilbo is, he made plays. I heard he was making plays yesterday. And for a guy that's, he hasn't even been to all the practices. There's been certain times where he wasn't, wasn't available. The fact that he is playing so well at star right now, I think is almost a revelation because the longer Barron's out, that's a hole flat out. That's a hole. if, 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 Gilbo and Michael Taft can't slide in there and give them some meaningful minutes because they're putting a lot of stock on Barron being that guy there. And so, and this will only help depth along the way. And, and like we said, Barron's was a precautionary measure. And so it may not have to come to fruition that fast, but Jalen Gilbo's a guy, I want to say Diamante Tucker Dorsey, but anybody that's surprised when he does make an impact. And when he does potentially become an all conference linebacker this year, hasn't been paying attention to Texas football this off season. And def- definitely hadn't been reading inside Texas because DTD, that's not going to be anybody's surprise. If you tell me that name, nobody's been paying attention. That dude is 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 bringing hat on a regular basis. So I'm going to say either I'm going to say either Jalen Gilbo, and I don't know how much a surprise this might be, but Byron Murphy might be the best interior defensive lineman in the program. And when Week One comes and you see him start slinging ULM guys left and right he'll start to get more of that notoriety. And again, it may not be too much of a surprise, but I'm not going to be surprised when by- Byron Murphy's the best defensive lineman in this program by the end of the season. I think I, I, I would not, the only reason to be fair here,
0: Justin, the only reason that I would not go with Byron Murphy is because I expect so much of him already. I know there's. I, no I mean, You're right. You're and I right. think you and I are on the same page on that. That that's a guy that we have heard nothing uh, but great things from, uh, and I just really I feel strongly about that. As camp goes on, uh, one that we haven't mentioned as much as we did early, uh, because we had some sources telling us that they thought he was going to have a good year, but we literally have not. Heard much about uh is Jalen Ford. Um, I think that he's we've heard quite a a bit from the spring. Yeah, exactly. From the spring, but not this fall. We just he's he hasn't been the focal point. It's been the emergence of Diamante Tucker Dorsey at linebacker. You're right. It's been moving over shown around. You're right. They need they need that presence, that physical presence at linebacker that. Ford provided at times last year, but was otherwise completely void, I think. And so I would go with Jalen Ford in my group.
3: Although, again, I don't know if that's considered a surprise or not, right? So, you know, your your Jalen Ford mentions kind of like my Byron Murphy. They shouldn't be surprises, but at the same time, we got to see it on the field for a full year. And I I love Gilbo back there. And, And here's another one. If Keaton, if Keaton Crawford continues to learn the free safety position, that back end is only going to be stronger. And then they got to start figuring out a way to get him on the field, and then go through Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him slide over and play some nickel, some star, because Crawford is just so physically developed. It, at some point, you want that, you want him as one of those first eleven on the defense. He's just that talented. Yeah. Um,
0: Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com uh, here. Bobby Burton uh, uh, hosting the show here. Uh, that's myself. Uh, Justin, I, I feel like um, as we move towards uh, this uh, Sark press announcement, our press conference, I believe, at 5 o'clock, Jordan Matthews, his 2 o'clock uh, announcement, the defensive back out of Baton Rouge Woodlawn, uh, it was a big weekend overall for the Longhorns. Uh, very difficult injury news. Uh, but what do you think, uh, going forward? I, I wrote an article this morning. I think they've got to pay attention to what they can control, not what they can't. Uh, the injuries have already happened. Uh, you got to start looking, looking forward and trying to figure it all out. The mentality of the team is going to be important over the next week. They're also trying to figure out who the quarterback is. They're trying to get the offensive line to gel, trying to get the defensive line to get some pass rush. Um, what what are the things that Texas needs to be focused on this week as, as we look towards practice and uh, and going out there? Also, before I even say that, join us at the Posse East tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Eric Nolene of Inside Texas is ping, pinging my phone telling me to do that. So, uh, Justin, what, what do you think of, of what Texas has to do going forward right now?
3: You nailed it. You know, control what you can control. This scrimmage on Saturday, a lot of it was designated to find – the guys at the ones and the twos so they could start figuring out rep allocation for the remainder of camp. But after talking to a couple people after the scrimmage, it was kind of a downer of an evening, you know, when, when, with with the the, the myriad of injuries that kind of hit one after another, the poor quarterback play uh, was evident. And so it, it wasn't as, Lively. It wasn't as positive as positive and bouncing around it. And when you lose guys like left and right like that and your quarterbacks don't play well, then that's going to have an effect on the field, uh, especially on the offensive side. And the defense basically capitalized right now. You got to figure out who's your best five on the offensive line. They have to focus on that right now, because not only is junior angle not going to take over at center, he's not going to be playing left guard anymore. Got to narrow that nail that down. Obviously, Hayden Connor's the guy that can play there, can also play right guard. And so I I think they'll find fits, but you got to figure out who's gonna be there. You gotta figure out at receiver. Okay. Can Tariq Milton move around? Can we move him around? Can Brennan Thompson can we can we put Jordan at X for a series and Brennan into the slot at the H? Can we move Xavier around and, and, and put Jordan maybe at the Z? You know, you gotta have to find to see who's the most versatile in your receiver core. Uh, running back, I don't think it's going to be an issue because Rashawn's not going to be out the year. Uh, if anything, he'll be out probably up till out Alabama, maybe a little bit after that. Um, and then yeah, he, you've you got really to want, want him back for, for you got to want Rashawn back for for league play. You I to, no you oh have, no no question, and you don't want to rush him back if you don't have to. No, you but you really if, somebody
0: somebody just made a really bright uh, bright comment in the comment section here. They said. Who runs the Wildcat if Roshan Johnson's not there?
3: I don't know well, if you run I, it. I, don't, I honestly, know. I don't. You know who you could run it with? Jonathan Former quarterback Brooks. and running back in high school, Jordan Whittington.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. know.
3: Yeah, that's what you get. All he ever did for you got to Texas. That's probably he true. never played receiver. But, but I'm, you I'm just know. saying there there's some options there. But but the question's legit. You got to find who. So this week is going to be answering questions. Okay, we've had some adversity. You got to get the program over that and past that because it can bring down the mood of the locker room. You want to keep things lively. This still has the potential for a great season. Texas still has as much talent as any team in the Big 12. So this week is about answering questions. It's going to be who can who can fill in these spots? If we need to move guys around, how can they do that? And then I think a question that needs to be answered the next two weeks or the next you know four to six weeks is. You know, with Alfred Collins being out for essentially a month and a half, two months, who is going to, you know, kind of play in that role, which at this point, you know, he had been a little bit behind some of the other guys. Who's going to step up and play in that role? And then you have to wonder when he does come back, how 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 much of an impact is he going to make? How healthy is he going to be? That's a guy I save until Big 12 play, because when the lights on for Collins, we've seen it when the light comes on. Guy is hard to defend. But a lot of times that light's flickering off and on sometimes. Might need to change the light bulb, you know, because it it may be flickering on and on, and you got to make sure you, you, you can't get a lot done like that. And so there's a lot of questions, Bobby. You know that they need to be where they are at the moment and in the moment and find, all right, how do we mix and match some of these guys to ensure the best 11 are on the field on offense and on defense? Justin Wells uh, of InsideTexas.com.
0: Justin, I, I think that's going to do it for today. We had a little bit over an hour uh, on the chat today. Uh, not only Eric Nalin of Inside InsideTexas, uh, but obviously Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells uh, also. Uh, lots of stuff covered. Uh, Jordan Matthews commits at two o'clock. Uh, we hope to have that news as quickly as possible. Sam Spiegelman of On3 is on site uh, for us. Uh, Justin, uh, Steve Sarkeesian talks at five o'clock. And then also one last note, uh, me, uh, Eric, Joe, Justin, are you going to be there tomorrow or no? Does Does Howdy duty have wooden balls?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be there. (laughs) I didn't know. Bobby, as soon as I found out, listen, I, I have flight track, flight tracker here. And as soon as I found out Bobby Burton, Nashville to Austin, I called Eric. I was like, Eric, you know Bobby's coming on Saturday, on Tuesday, right? Eric's like, Yeah. I said, Man, I got to be there. We, him and I, we got to meet. We have never seen each other face to face, and we've known each other for a decade, and we've never seen each other face to face. Where so, did you I come said, up, Bobby? The pressure's on you. You are gonna have to bring it. And I can't wait to meet you, brother, and hug your neck. All
0: uh, right. Where did you, uh, where did you come up with that saying? I'll never know. East Texas finest, uh, Justin Wells. Uh, tomorrow we'll be at the Posse East. Uh, Justin, myself, uh, Eric Naleen. Uh, Jerry Hamilton, Joe Cook. Uh, We'll all be there from about four o'clock and probably till about six, 6.30 uh, when we head over to the stadium for uh, the scrimmage. Please join us. Uh, We look forward to talking to you again. Uh, So without further ado, this has been On Texas Football.